0: Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Bad Lamenti and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we've modified our church schedule to help keep people safe. We currently offer on-site Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. with limited capacity, and we ask that you register ahead of time. Please visit www.rockpoint.org register before you join in person that way we can save your seat and we also live stream the 11 a.m. service on our youtube channel you can always find rock point on facebook or visit the website for more information including important schedule updates and while covid may have affected how we do church it cannot diminish our efforts together to be the church we look forward to connecting with you enjoy the podcast I want to share with you one or two things quickly. One is this. If you are um, a regular attendee here, because we're aware that we have those who are in the audience across the nation and even in different sections of the world, and that's great and we're glad that you kind of tapped into us for one reason or another, but we also have those who are our congregation and those who gather uh, up until 16 weeks ago on a regular basis in this place and are part of the fellowship. And if you are part of that fellowship or... You have become part of that by this live stream and are planning to engage us here on site. Then I would ask if you have not been receiving a regular email or the video messaging that I sent out a little bit ago, if you would please contact our offices, offices at rockpoint.org, and make sure we have your email, make sure we have your communication, because over the next couple of weeks we're going to be having some intense communications going forth. And so if you could please, if you're not on that, Get on that as soon as you can. The second thing I'm going to ask is this. If you are someone who, um, in the process of this, most of you have been pretty good, that if you have been sick for any reason, but particularly related to the virus, that you've let us know that. And so I'm going to ask uh, even more so in this season of time that if you have found yourself particularly with the virus, let us know that. Uh, we want to be conscious of that and kind of want to be uh, aware of it. it may impact some of the decisions we're doing here. Um, As they're continuing to try and and set some things up here, I'm going to continue to dive in. One of the things I want you to be aware of as we continue this study in the book of Psalms, Psalm uh, 133, uh, is this. Two weeks from today, we are going to, after now 16 weeks at that point, 18 weeks of not gathering on location, we will begin to gather again on location here. Uh, we're not referring to it as a reopening because we never closed, but we are reconvening on the 12th of July, two weeks from today. In addition to that, we're anticipating right now having an outdoor gathering on Wednesday, July 8th. Uh, my hope is frankly that in gathering there uh, as kind of a welcome back, that we'll also be able to dissipate some of the grabbiness and, uh, and ignoring a social distancing that I know can happen when we're seeing each other for the first time, many of us in what's been a lengthy period of time. And so I mentioned that to you today and I'm gonna come back to that again at the back end. You'll be getting some communication on how that's going to work, what our procedures are going to be, and what the process will be. But for right now, just be aware that two weeks from today, we will be reconvening on location, both services, nine and 11 o'clock. We will continue to live stream the 11 o'clock version of this. And that's where we're going to be going. We'll give you more information on that as we go along. But that kind of sets up and gives you a little bit for what I want to talk to you about here today. I want to discuss with you the 133rd Psalm. The 133rd Psalm. Now, this is an extremely short psalm. I know last week we went kind of long, and so some of you guys have a credit, and we're going to give you that credit today, and we're going to not be dragging things long today. This is only a three-verse psalm, the 133rd. Following it is the 134th and 135th, and they go into worship. And so that's something just to keep aware of. It crosses into kind of lifting up God and an exaltation. But the 133rd, this three-verse psalm, um, is one of a series of psalms that I've touched on before that I mentioned were psalms of ascent. And these are the last of the four that's attributed to King David. Now, the Song of Ascents were songs, literally that were sung psalms they translated to, but songs that would be sung by the pilgrims as they went on up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the highest point in Israel, so always you were going up to it for the most part. And um, as they would ascend up to uh, the mount to worship God in Jerusalem at the temple, there would be different songs that the pilgrims would sing. Now, this particular psalm, Is thought to have probably been written by David um, probably as he was finally received as king over all the tribes of Israel some tribes had rejected him as king initially and there was a real season of national division discord strife conflict does any of that ring a bell whatsoever that's what the situation was but there had been a resolution of that now and people were were gathered together and there was a sense of unity in the country After this severe time of strife. Um, And so this was a song that again would have been sung on the way up to worship in Jerusalem. And so let's just take a look at it real quickly here. The very first verse uh, is talking about unity uh, among God's people. And it's talking about how good it is and all. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Um, Seems simple enough. Uh, It starts with this phrase, behold. And this Statement of behold is is kind of like take notice, pay attention. What follows is going to be really important. It doesn't just say hey hey this is happening. It says behold. You know the angels when they show up at one point say behold. And so there's this paying attention point, and um, that you're going to see something that you don't normally see, and so don't fail to look very closely about it. Um, pause and 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 consider what is about to be said. And it's something good and it's something pleasant. And it's really the unity among the people of God. It's good because it reflects God's heart and purpose for unity. And we'll see that in a few scriptures we'll look at here in a moment of time. Um, It's pleasant because it makes life together as God's people so much more enjoyable than all the seasons of bickering and, and fighting and the conflict that can so often dominate human relationships. We as a church have been blessed over the years. We have had very little conflict, uh, practically none in an internal state. One of our phrases here, if you haven't been around here at all before, is to say that we discuss things vigorously. We have strong opinions, we have differing viewpoints, we have strong leaders and and strong thoughts that are offered. So we discuss things vigorously, but never violently. I, I don't think I've ever been in a meeting, certainly of leadership, but even in our congregation level where anyone has um, angrily denounced someone's uh, uh, motives or has cussed or sworn at someone, not in private meetings, not of any kind of meeting like that. But we have discussed things vigorously. We don't want to bury very real issues. And we've been doing that in this season of time too. And so unity doesn't mean that we cannot have diversity or have differing views. Uh, It doesn't even necessarily mean that we don't have conflict in that. In the conflict is where sometimes growth can happen. If you try to help certain birds out of the egg, they'll die because it's in the struggle to get out of that egg that they form certain muscles or develop in a certain way that provide for the rest of life. And in the same way, our conversations in the church, as long as they're not violent ones, um, we can still address very significant issues. It says how good and how pleasant is unity. And it's interesting that not everything that is good is pleasant and not everything that is pleasant is good. Not everything that is good is pleasant. Well, I can think of surgery for one thing. Um, that's a good thing. But for any of us who've ever endured it, it's not a terribly pleasant issue to have someone cut into you. The recovery time, the reaction to the medication and anesthesia, the whole deal. Um, not everything that is pleasant is necessarily good. I've I've been a diver, a scuba diver for years, and one of the things you're, you're watching as a diver is what's called hypoxia, or the lack of oxygen in the brain. And there's this one place where I know that would go down a mile, and if you go down that far, you're going to die. But some people have had that happen to them because as they've dove that particular place called The Wall uh, in the Caribbean, um, as you go over the 60-foot level of, of depth and go into this mile-long trench or so and you're going along that wall, you can lose your sense of surrounding. And especially if your oxygen flow is damaged or contaminated and hypoxia sets in, you can get confused and you don't realize that you're in distress. That it can actually, for some people, has been described as pleasant because they're just kind of slowly fading away. But it's not a good thing because you can die from that. So not everything that is good is pleasant. Not everything that is pleasant is good. But in this context, the Scripture is saying that this is both pleasant and good, both at the same time, like a zero-calorie ice cream that tastes absolutely fantastic. It's both good and pleasant. He spells out specifically that for brethren to dwell together. And David's talking specifically about the relationships within the church. We're told um, very clearly in Romans chapter 12, 18 that if it is possible, and as far as it depends on you, and it's not always possible, and But as far as it depends on you, and if it is possible, that we're to live at peace with everyone. Now that's everybody, whether we're encountering a non-believer or a believer, whether it's somebody who's completely opposed to viewpoints we have. As we talked about weeks ago, we respect the image of God in each person, and and we can honor that while still disagreeing and not affirming certain positions or viewpoints. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But what David is talking about in this situation here is he's particularly focusing on the relationships within the church. He's talking about when brothers, sisters, when when people who are of the same faith dwell together in unity. Now, when we dwell together, when we're close to one another... That can often be tested. Anybody who's had relatives that you love dearly but have stayed um, for more than a day or three days, you know what they say, after three days, both relatives and fish begin to stink. And you have some conflicts. Some of us in this church have been walking together for decades. And we've walked through some pretty stinky times together too, and some of us haven't been as pleasant at other times. But we still have had that unity. Even in separation, there can be unity. My wife and I were blessed last night as uh, um, uh, the wife of one of our youth pastors who has moved to Pittsburgh and is now a chaplain with the Pittsburgh Steelers had stopped back in the area and made a point of stopping and just spending dinner with us last night at her home. And so we're separate there in Pittsburgh, but we're still unified. We're still together. And so we can still be separated and yet still have unity within the body. And he's saying how pleasant it is and good... When brothers dwell in unity, when we meet together in the bonds of unity and peace, even though it is often tested. There was something I wrote years ago off of a phrase called the tunnel of chaos, and I've referenced this to you before. And the idea is that there's this tunnel, and we don't know what's going to happen as we go through this chaotic moment of differing viewpoints, uh, differing needs, differing issues. But as I was reading in a paper years ago, the strongest, most satisfying relationships are those where two individuals have shared or supported each other through difficulty, trial, confrontation even, and have stayed committed to one another. Deepest relationships I have are ones that have challenged me, but have loved me enough to stay in relationships still and that's what's been present in this church and and in some cases for individuals who've moved to different parts of the country but we still have that sense of unity and we're still committed to each other and these times like we have just have now experienced and, and are experiencing these are probably the most divisive times I have ever seen certainly in my lifetime and I think most of us could say that politically we're divided racially we've become divided educationally there's divisions, those who are educated, those who are not. Professionally, we could have all sorts of divisions within the church from General Motors, Ford and Chrysler. We have people sitting next to each other that literally are competing, theoretically at least, for jobs and for welfare of their, of their families. So professionally we have that. We have um, international people present from different nations, and we could have that be an issue as we raise up one or raise up the other. We've got regional ones from south and north and everywhere else. And and I've been accused over the years of only having really truly one prejudice, and that's been against southern people because I tend to drop into that accent when I'm discussing something ignorant. And I've come to have a moment of self-reflection and realize that that's actually not true. I do not have a prejudice against southern people because I recognize that there are genteel southerners. And so this next thing is where I will draw a line and and be ridiculed and attacked for because my real issue is actually I've realized against rednecks. So if you are a redneck, then I will strive to reach out to you as you reach out to me. But those are divisions that can also cause it, as we have even things culturally. Financial, some of us are wealthy, some of us aren't, a whole lot of us are in between that. And then, of course, the, the darkest, most violent, most disruptive issue of division, that between University of Michigan and Ohio State. And whether there'll ever be any degree of reconciliation or peace, I don't know. Someone recently stole my bumper sticker that just was a simple bumper sticker. It just said simply, yours for a Buckeye-free state. I don't know why they stole it from me. Divisions happen, and the closer we walk together, the more intense those divisions can be. In this season of time as a church, as a nation, the politics, the pandemic, the pandemic, the racial divisions. We could pick different things to be segmented in so different ways. Masks. If you wear one, you're a sheep. If you don't wear one, you're a sheep. There's so many things that we can use to push away, and yet David was talking here as these guys were having to walk together because they would have gone together and sung this song, and they would have come from different tribes in Israel, some of which had warred with one another even as we all come from different tribes, Republican, Democrat, black, white, University of Michigan, Ohio State. But they would come from these different tribes, and they would walk together in common purpose towards Jerusalem in order to worship God, because they had that commonality of being followers of God. So this song would have been something particularly important as they said, behold, pay attention, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. They would have gone to this next uh, second verse, um, like oil on the head is talking like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, and running down on the collar of his robes. It was common in the ancient days to anoint someone's head with oil. And Sometimes as a, as a greeting that was entering a home, for example. Uh, if you look in, in Matthew, Jesus gave a couple directions on oil. He says at one point, Matthew chapter 6, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so it won't be obvious to others that uh, you're fasting. Why? What was that about, putting oil so that they wouldn't know he's fasting? Well, it was because it was linked to fellowship and specifically food and eating together. In Luke chapter 7 verse 44 we see this coming up when he turns at one point toward the woman who had anointed his feet with oil. He said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Then this line, you did not put oil on my head but she has poured perfume and her oiled, scented oil on my feet. In Psalm 23 verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. There's this linkage to an anointing of oil with sitting down at a table with friends. And, and there were some religious meetings that could be part of it, but it was actually having to do more with kind of a deodorant. The, 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 the fragrance of the olive oil would cover up other scents that weren't as attractive. Um, if it was a scented oil, which oftentimes it would be, you could say an essential oil if you want um, then the fragrance that would be poured over the head would just kind of run everywhere and it would it would it would be something to be pleasant and so as oils anointed. Uh, on the head and I would sit down at the table, then I was now fit for the company that was present there. I was able to fit with that and and it it made me more comfortable and relaxed knowing that that any other issues were taken out of the way. Uh, Now, it's talking specifically about down the beard of Aaron. And I was going to use my own illustration, but I happen to have a good one here real quick. So Mike, could you come up real fast for just a second, really quick. Mike is our drummer here today. And and I have a, a good beard. I have a good beard. But Mike, Mike has, I don't know if you can pull that in tight, but, but Mike has a beard amongst beards, okay? And so this is a tribute. In fact, it would have been at least something like this or even 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 bigger, okay? And what they would have had is they would have had a, a, a thing of oil that would have been at least this full, and then just say there, you're good. Um, and then what they would do is as they anoint him, then there would be... Um, it, 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 you'll, it'll be good, and so as it pours over, which I really wish I'd filled this today, um, it would have run through the beard, and it would have run all the way down if it was a sufficient amount of oil. Um, if you were here in the room right now, I'd give you, have you ask you to give some applause for the beard, okay? And so, any present there, just go ahead, guys. There's a few, two or three. Thank you, Mike. So when it's saying like oil on the head is like the precious oil um, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar, there is, um, there's a special oil that was being used. It was an anointing oil that was to be used for Aaron. It was not common. It would have been a mixture of cinnamon, which I love, and myrrh, and several other things that they would have had this anointing. And it was saying that this, this the pastor is basically saying that this Christian unity is not a common unity. It's not like political unity. It's not like racial unity. It's not like educational unity from the same university, or whatever the case may be, or same region of a country. That this type of unity in Christ is a special, uncommon unity in the same way that the oil that was poured over Aaron, the high priest, was special. It was unique. It was to be used for no other purpose. It also had a sense of holiness behind it. There was something about this thing that was very sweet, Smelling and very fragrant, it was special, it had a, a a sense of the Holy Spirit about it, and an anointing and a setting aside and so what is being implied in this passage is it 's like a sacred thing. This unity is not like a country club unity that we talk about in the church. It goes beyond family, it goes beyond blood it 's something uncommon it 's something unique. And it only can be likened to an oil which was, which was never to have been poured out on any man but on, on God's high priest. It was part of the consecration, in fact, that would have been done to priestly service. And Mike's a great stand-in because he looks priestly. And as that oil would have been poured over and they would have been um, anointed, literally, the term Messiah means even anointed one, they would have been set aside for a special task. There were things that came out of that service service to God, service to the people, atonement of sins, offerings of peace and fellowship and thanksgiving, compassionate ministry to the people of God. And, and the illustration is really wonderful because what it's trying to say here in this writing is that when there's unity amongst God's people, it's not only good and pleasant in itself, but it also leads to so many other things. When the people of God struggle with one another, there's so many other good things that are not being done and are not achieved we've touched on the racial issues briefly here we don't need to go in depth on it because we have taught and fought racism for decades in this church and have been committed we've made clear our stance over the years we put our money, our mouth, our time and our energy where it matters we don't trumpet the roles that we've been a part of Justin and I were talking before service and and he made the statements, yeah, we don't raise our flag. And I said, Yeah, we don't raise our flag, but we do plant it. We do not self-promote, but we do have commitments and we maintain those commitments and we never let go of them. Even when it's long and hard and difficult. We hold to those things. There are things that when we come together as a body, we're able to achieve in our unity that when we're broken in that unity, doesn't happen. I won't go into it now. There'll be a time maybe later that we can talk as a congregation, but you as a congregation, believe it or not, were instrumental in part in keeping the peace in the last several weeks within the city of Detroit. What you have supported and you have engaged and the work we've done in this season of time bore fruit. We'll talk about it some other time. When there's unity there are certain things achieved that are lost when it doesn't exist. It talks about the oil going on on this high priest in such a way that it was this impressive flow of oil, evidently, because it comes over his head and comes all the way down and through his collar. Some say even maybe dripped down to his garment. It was particularly a blessing and a heavy anointing. So, the scriptures tell us, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron or Mike, running down on the collar of his robes. And then this final portion, it's like the dew of Hermon. Uh, I know some of you are thinking the Munsters right now in the Adams family. Wrong Hermon. It's actually pronounced Hermon. And it's a mountain in northern Israel, um, right on the border with Syria. And it's snow-capped, actually, at, one point, at some ter- certain times. It, it, it would produce a tremendous amount of dew. Some people who have camped up there at times have said that they'd wake up in the morning and it was like somebody had thrown water all over their tent. It was so heavy. And so when David's talking here, he's trying to get a word picture, and he's saying that, that Mount Hermon, which is so, so lush and so rich in moisture compared to the aridness of uh, much of Israel and the dryness of that, he's putting the contrast. He's saying that unity among God's people makes for a healthy, thriving, rich environment. The dew and the moisture is so rich there that it's like it's rained all night long. And, and, and so this is kind of an agent of renewal or of refreshment. And it descends upon the mountain of Zion, which is um, Jerusalem. And where that lies. So this mountain way into the north, the dew is not physically being transported. It's an imagery that David's using saying that the richness of that, the moisture of that enlivens those of us who've come marching our way up to Jerusalem to worship God. That all these different tribes that even in times of conflict now have set that aside and they're coming together to worship God. They're gathering and as they're coming up that dry and dusty mountain road there, um, rocks and, and other things just just everywhere. They feel a refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit that's like a moisture that's just encouraging them and lifting them up. And it says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. I I think what he's trying to say here basically is this we are going to live with in eternity with one another which on my calculator is a whole lot more than three days and if we're going to spend eternity with one another He's saying if we're going to have life forevermore, then God's given us this blessing now, this blessing of unity. We should not take it lightly. Even though we've not had open conflict within this church, despite a lot of challenges over the years, we should never take that lightly. And all the more so as we move to reconvene on location. We need to consider that. We're going to live for eternity with one another. Can we manage to get along for a couple of years? together here. We're going to come back on location and you're going to be seeing someone who the only way you've been seeing them for the last four months is through their postings. And they've been foolish and stupid in what they've posted. And it has offended you and angered you and very possibly rightly so. And now you're going to see that person. Or maybe you say, no, I'm not coming back. I won't be a part of anything that associates with that person. And maybe they're thinking the same thing about another person, and another person, and another person. Social media is not the best form of communication. And when we're not seeing each other face to face, when we're not engaged directly with each other, then there's a tendency to demonize. We tend to think things that aren't even true about another person. We think somehow because they disagree with us that they're evil. And the farther away we are, the more that tends to happen. And so we run away and and we don't engage and we try to find another place that's perfect and we're either really foolish and keep searching and never find it because it doesn't exist. Or we throw up our hands and we decide to go in the woods and worship God by ourselves and, and that's not an answer. It's not biblical. It's not right. Or we patch up our wounds and we come together and... We talk about it. If it's that serious, we talk about it. We recognize that before any political identity, any racial identity, any educational or regional identity, any other loyalty, any other identities, is that of following Christ. Jesus' prayer in John 17, a favorite passage of Rick Camiso, another one of our staff who um, just literally texted me in the middle while I was talking with Um, uh, with Erica uh, last night, our other guy's wife. And this is a favorite passage that he spoke on often because he believes so strongly in the unity of the body. Jesus' prayer, because Jesus believed in that. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's how close he wants us to be the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, all uniquely different, but all one still. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. That's part of the witness. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Our unity, our coming together, our willingness to wear a mask, even if we think it's the stupidest thing on the planet. Our willingness to set aside a political difference or an offense that was done on Facebook or maybe even in person. Maybe during this season of time you felt overlooked. Nobody's called you. Nobody's contacted you. Somehow you dropped, despite every effort we've made, you dropped through the cracks. And you're wounded and hurt and angry about that. And the longer you stay away and the longer you separate these things, the more demonic it becomes. And we think that we're demonizing the other person, and in fact, we are becoming demonized as that spirit takes hold within us. I've been hurt by the church, I think probably more than eight, ten people I want to name, at least in my view, from a small child growing up until even recent times. But the church is, is God's design for reaching this world. It's his Holy Spirit working in each one of us, drawing us to one another in our hurts and our pains, in our distinct differences, in the richness of that diversity. That something, when people look at that and say, how is it possible for those people to, to love each other or to get along or maintain There's got to be something supernatural behind that and it doesn't point them to us because it's not rooted in us. It's rooted in God's Holy Spirit and it directs people to God. That's what he's talking about. That's what is being discussed by Jesus in that prayer. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, a pastor of years ago said this, Oh, for more of this rare virtue, not the love which comes and goes, but that which dwells. Not that spirit which separates and secludes, but that which dwells together. Not that mind which is all for debate and difference, but that which dwells together in unity. We are going to be gathering again here soon. And when we do, we're going to bring all those politics we're going to bring all those racial hurts. We're going to bring all those divisions of, of position and status and, and clothing and mask and all those other things are going to come back into this place together. And you need to decide before you do that what is really important to you. Because if it is your position or your identity separate from Christ then you are welcome here, but it will be a difficult process for you and you probably won't like it. But if you're prepared to bring all those varying views and differences and identities, talk them through if we must. Vigorously, but not violently. And find that when you're through walking through that tunnel of chaos, that you still have a brother, you still have a sister who will still stand with you and still claims you as blood when we can look and realize Ephesians chapter 4 and as I close with this scripture be completely humble and gentle, be patient and in my notes patient is a lot larger word you have been so patient so far but even as we gather the issues that swirl about us of disunity and of conflict and of illness, these things are going to echo at least through this year, folks, most if not all of them, and possibly and probably in the next year. You have been patient so far, but patience needs to continue to be a garment we wear every day. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. One people, one church, in two weeks we'll gather. Be in prayer before that time. Listen to what God may be saying to you to lay down or what conversations need to be had or or what forgiveness maybe you need to give to somebody who doesn't even know that they offended you. And if you can release that before God in prayer, then maybe you don't need to talk to Him. But otherwise, reconcile those things. The Scripture says if you've got any problem, lay it at the altar, um, uh, and leave it there and go and resolve it with the person, then come. So in two weeks we're going to gather. Whatever issues you have, take it to God in prayer. Resolve those things. Put your relationship with God first and your relationship with your brothers and sisters and bring that together so that we can be the church and not just go to church, but that we could actually be the church. Now, if this was um, uh, my father in his time, then he would break out in song at this point in time on Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. You know, bring us together and make us one in a certain song like that. That's not me. And everybody said, Amen. What we do echoes, folks, way beyond this moment. I'll say this just before I I let you go here. I was playing a voicemail before I came out here this morning. Someone had called the church in this last week or so. And um, as I listened to the voicemail, I immediately knew who it was. A guy named Rudy Obregon a young Hispanic guy, he and his parents' uh, family were migrant workers in Lansing where where my uh, dad pastored. And he mentored him and his older brother Frank. They both went on to make something significant of themselves and are still serving God. I hadn't seen Rudy in decades. And he called because um, for some reason now, even though my father's been dead a year and a half, it prompted him to call and just tell me how much my father meant to this young Hispanic kid back in the 60s without a father at that time who my father mentored and who was part of our church fellowship at that time along with people from all different races and walks of life decades later those actions and that unity still echoes out and touches ministered to me even today before coming out what we do as a fellowship when we're in union together not only impacts the here and now as it already has in powerful ways but it echoes out to generations and people yet not even born. So as we process this, focus on this passage, the 133rd Psalm. Read it. Pray it. Think about it. There are important differences and that's healthy. Um, You spend all your time focused on where you disagree with someone and anytime you don't have a relationship with someone, it's going to be easier to demonize them. There are important differences. I want to repeat that and that's healthy. What isn't healthy is when you assume that the person who disagrees with you is also a bad person. Because if you can't disagree without thinking someone else is bad or evil, then you start pulling apart at the seams of unity and at the seams of fellowship, at the seams of faith. Be completely humble, therefore, and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. As we prepare to reconvene, purify yourself. Pray through those issues. Be prepared to be patient. We'll give you more information as we go along. If you're not on our mailing list and haven't received regular communications, contact us. If you're suffering with an illness or any issues of any type like that, let us know. We want to be aware, particularly if it's COVID, but even in general, we're trying to be aware and conscious and pray for you and support and encourage you. So that's where we stand. You'll hear more about this over the next little period of time. Meanwhile, I'm glad you're still walking with us. I look forward, truly forward, to seeing each one of you again every time we're in worship i've walked through the the aisles and the pews and i see your faces and i see your families and your children and um i'm glad we're reconvening because my next step was to install cameras in each one of your homes and then put up little computer screens on each little tear there i didn't think that would be pretty cost effective so father i thank you for the church for flawed and broken people who have risen above that by your Holy Spirit and have come to wholeness. I thank you, Lord, for vigorous conversations that don't turn violent. I thank you for those who have been patient of heart and who are strong of spirit to overcome uh, insult and injury. And I ask, Lord, that you'd guide us as we reconvene physically in worship together again and that you shape us so that we can also further your kingdom. And people would look at that and say, there's got to be something supernatural behind all that, so that we can continue past the 133rd Psalm into the 134th and the 135th and beyond where praise and honor is given to your name. Let that be our song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll see you next week.